Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 39. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have the Portuguese entrepreneur, José Macedo. He's a jiu-jitsu purple belt and a former professional poker player who was able to turn an initial deposit of $30 into over $1.5 million. Currently, besides owning multiple businesses, José is involved with cryptocurrency. He shared interesting points between poker and jiu-jitsu similarities, self-control, and the importance of getting involved with business that you are passionate about so you can spend your time doing things that engage and fulfill you. At one point, he mentioned an interview with Elon Musk, the creator of Tesla and SpaceX. Elon's answer to the question inspired the title of the podcast, What Are You Investing Your Time On? After the interview, during my final thoughts, I will expand on this topic. Stay tuned right after Liv's Jiu-Jitsu's message. Woos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and in the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donates all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.livejujitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, José Macedo. José began his life in the public eye at 16 when he started his journey as a professional poker player. He was able to turn an initial deposit of $30 into over $1.5 million. At 19, he made a decision to leave poker behind and attend university to study politics, philosophy, and economics in the UK. During this time at school, Jose also managed to create several successful and profitable business in a variety of sectors, including eventually co-finding a jiu-jitsu school, Kaizen Academy in Lancaster, UK. He received several honors during this time, such as the Duke of York Young Entrepreneur Award, the Huffington Post Entrepreneur of the Week, Shell Livewire Grand Ideas Award, Enterprise Champion Award, and Student Entrepreneur of the Year. Currently, Zay is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, 26 years old. He lives in Milan, Italy, and he co-leads the advisory team at Amazix, an elite team of analysts. His team of experts at Amazix has helped over 100 cryptocurrency startups raise over a combined $1.3 billion. Zay Macedo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you got a variety of things here, man. You're only 26. You're very young and experienced a lot of different things. So it would be great to talk about different topics. So tell us a little bit how Jiu-Jitsu got into your life. Um, so Jiu-Jitsu got into my life probably um, straight after poker. So when I, when I, when I stopped playing poker, um, something happened. We won't, won't get into it, but that sort of sapped my passion for the game. I was looking for something else that, that I could focus on because I'm, as you can pr probably tell by that, by I'm quite like obsessive. I like to have something that I'm focusing on and getting into. And I don't know how I decided on, on um, MMA at the time. I, I, I think I just wanted to, I've always wanted to, I'd always wanted to learn to, to fight and defend myself and stuff. And so I went online. I, I looked for what are, the, what are the main martial arts in MMA. I saw it was Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu. And I, I started with both of those. And that's pretty much how I, how I got started in, in jiu-jitsu. And eventually, I, I sort of I competed in both, but um, I got tired of getting hit in the head. And, the, and I just love the jiu-jitsu culture, the jiu-jitsu um, atmosphere, sort of the, the and, and the way you can just mainly the way you can practice and, and spar without um, risking brain damage is pretty attractive to me as well. I hear you. 
And what is a similarity that you see in jujitsu and poker? Let's say right after you stop playing poker, so you're like, oh, you know, some of the concepts that maybe you're able to uh, translate to it. What do you think? Oh man, there's loads. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, poker is a very strategic game. It's, um, very much based on game theory and jujitsu and martial arts especially are, are very much based on that as well. I actually, um, think that poker is more similar to sort of stand up to like Muay Thai and boxing and stuff. And jujitsu is more similar to something like chess just because of the amount of options available. Like, um, poker and stand up is cool because you have a small amount of options available and you have to sort of build a strategy that, um, that, that works to, to funnel your opponent into your best weapons and avoid um, his best weapons. And I think Jiu-Jitsu is very similar though as well. Um, there's a lot of similarities. Like in, in stand-up, there's definitely some, some more. Like Conor McGregor, for instance, I feel has like a game theoretically very uh, perfect style. Like um, one thing, I don't know how much you follow Conor McGregor and stuff and his, his style, but... A little bit. One thing he does is he does that spitting hook kick. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah. the spinning hook that he does. And everyone's like, that, that, he never hits that. It doesn't do anything and stuff. But what's interesting is that game theoretically, when, when he throws that, it basically means you don't want to go that way, which is, which is basically funnels you towards his left hand. So, and that's one interesting thing about game theory, that you can have a tool in there that, that never actually hits the person, never actually does anything, but it's there in order to prevent your opponent's option from going that way. And there's loads of little things like that that you, that you can take um, to jujitsu. So, for instance, even the way I built all my games in jujitsu, like half guard, I always try to have basically an option for whatever reaction they give me. So I'm never trying to force sort of an option, you know, like Lucas Light's half guard game with the roll under and the come up on the single leg. Like I'm never trying to force coming up on the single leg. If he's driving into me and I can't get up on my elbow, I'm going to go to the roll under. It's very similar in poker. You have certain frequencies that you do something your opponent gives you a reaction and you're and you're adjusting and going with that so uh, yeah i definitely took a lot from 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 poker into jiu-jitsu and martial arts generally very interesting now i like to ask people you know some of the relations that how bjj relate to life and i'd like to actually you do even a comparison with like with poker and jiu-jitsu some of the lessons that you feel that relate to life yeah definitely i mean one of the things that I um, really liked about both is the, um, that you, it forces you to basically like be directly connected to reality. Like in, in, in poker, the cool thing is that you, like I started playing poker when I was in school and I was a bit tired of the essay thing, the doing the tests. You basically do the test and someone tells you, you did well, you know, but it's based on, on a marks in this person's opinion. What I liked about poker is you, you do well, you earn money, you do badly, you lose money. It's very direct feedback and it forces you to sort of um, be connected with, with reality in some way, to deal with reality. And it's the same exact thing with martial arts that I like. It's that um, you have direct feedback. You know, you, you do badly, you get choked out. Um, there's no way to talk yourself out of someone just being better than you. You know, it, it, it's very raw and real. And I think that's really important to have in your life, you know, especially in uh, like... I, I find it really hard to live um, when I don't do jujitsu. You know, it, it helps bring you back and center you back to life. And obviously, there's loads of strategic elements as well that are really similar. Um, there's loads of mental elements that are similar. Like you, you have to expose yourself, you know, to, to failure. And, and because that, that's the, the flip side, right, of, of being connected to reality is you're also really connected to your failures. Like there's nowhere to hide. Like you, you do badly on a test. You can say, oh, the test doesn't mean anything. The mark scheme doesn't mean anything. In jiu-jitsu, you get choked out. It's very difficult to, to get out of that. And the same, the same thing with poker, you know? So, yeah, I, I like that and I feel like I need it because somehow I'm like a bit, a bit of a dreamer, I guess. And uh, I like to do things that, that force me to deal with reality, I suppose. I like it. So now, when did you have the spark to pursue? Let's start with poker you know where were you at in your life when you decided you know i want to get into this so what sparked that interest at first um so what sparked the interest was i heard the story of this guy called tom duan uh, his name was Der. his screen name who had turned like a something like a 20 dollar deposit into several million and um being sort of a a, a school kid again I, I was i was decent at school but i was i wanted to I had like a desire to be independent and I had a desire to, 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 to earn some money. And I, and I also 
um, had a desire to do something that te tested me in that way that like connected to reality, I guess, with, which I felt was more meaningful. Um, and I'd always been pretty good at math, so I, I started studying it, and then I and then I started playing it. Um, that was that was probably yeah, that was the, what motivated me to get started at that time. And what about the entrepreneurship? When you felt like okay, this is the field that I want to go, you stop, you went to school, but when was the spark of the entrepreneurship part of it? Which in a way, you with a with the poker, I mean, you being a professional player, you end up being an entrepreneur and promoting yourself and go and get sponsors and all that. But I'm saying beside, beyond poker, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, sort of what I, what I thought with poker was that it was, um, I thought this afterwards, when I was in it, I, I really loved it and I thought it was my, my calling. But once, once I had a, the, afterwards, what I thought was that it was a little bit limiting because first of all, it was only me it was quite um, lonely in a way, you know, you'd be spent, I'd be spending like 12 hours a day playing and mostly at night as well, because I was in Europe and I wanted to play with the US people. So it'd be like nighttime, um, very lonely uh, sort of life. And that I wanted to do something that had, that had the potential to have more of a wide impact, I guess. And I thought, you know, you, in order to have to, to do anything meaningful in life, you need the cooperation of other people, you know? So I, I thought that was a, something I, I, I had to do. And I also, liked both entrepreneurship and poker because um in a way i depended only on myself you know I, i didn't have to um apply for a job and have someone you know accept me or, or whatever I, i had the way to sort of set my fate and that was always really attractive to me the idea that you know um like i could be wherever working i could work the, the hours i wanted i didn't have to be somewhere at 9 a.m because you know people thought that's what i had to do you know the Even with school, I really didn't enjoy um, going to school every morning because I'm, I, I like to work at night because no one bothers you. Like, it's just straight. And so I'm not a morning person. And everyone's like, you're lazy because you don't wake up at, early in the morning. I'm like, nah, just, just working at, an, at a different time, you know. And I think entrepreneurship, yeah, sort of combined all those things for me of um, being connected to reality because, you know, you fail. You have to make something people want. If they don't want it, you, you fail. Um, the, the fact that it was in, gave me independence, um, the fact that I depended only on myself, all, all this stuff, yeah, I think combined made me want to, made me want to start businesses. And when you went through this transition, I was still in school and started getting involved with entrepreneurship. I always mention here that we have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs, people in transition, and it's very common. A lot of fears, doubts pop up when you're in this transition. Am I Taking, making the right decision. So how did you deal with some of the doubts and maybe fears that came up? I believe that poker probably gave, gave you a really good foundation to go yeah. in, even uh, financially having some, you know, something to rely on. Plus, I think the experience of being in under pressure environment. So how was the transition for you? Yeah, I think, I think poker really, really helped with that, as you said, because With, with poker, it's, it, it sort of makes very clear something that um, is anyway a, a, just a fundamental truth of life, but that we don't really realize, which is that there are things that you control and things that you don't control. You know, in, in, in poker, you can do everything right and lose. And that can happen for sometimes weeks or months on end, you know. So you learn to sort of focus on what you can control and you learn to like what it gave me them for better or for worse, because sometimes it's a bit too much, but like a way to think of things in terms of expected value which is basically thinking of the probability and what happens in case of so the magnitude of each probability. So it's like with, when I started a business, um, I knew there was, there was a chance I would fail. You know, it didn't all depend on me. Um, and so all I could do was sort of do the best I could. Um, and I, and then again, the best I could would change over time as I improved at this thing. So I think I was, because of poker, I was probably pretty good at not putting too much pressure on myself and at knowing that, I don't control everything and I, I can only um, sort of affect what I can control, you know. And also that one thing um, Elon Musk says, which, which I think people don't really understand, is he, they were like, how did you, you know, you're doing these crazy businesses like SpaceX and stuff. How did you know you were going to succeed? And he's like, well, I, I actually thought there was only like a 5% chance of success. And, and people are like, then why did you do it? And he's like, well, because if it's, if it's a 5% chance of success, but there's an amazing result when that 5% happens, you know, like a 10,000 times return, then it's still a very good investment of my time, you know? And I think that's the poker sort of mentality. It's very rational in a way. Um, and I think that helps me 
that that probably helps me deal with some of those doubts and, and, and fears. Yeah, no, this is a great advice. And for all the listeners, that's something that we talk a lot about. And you just mentioned went to straight to a point that people need to focus more when they're in transition. We just said, focus on things that you can't control, not with the things that we cannot control. We talk about it in a lot of different uh, podcasts about this. And I think a lot of people end up sometimes having a hard time with the transition or sometimes not even doing the transition because they're focusing too much on the things that they cannot control. And with that said, what do you feel that it's a suggestion for people who are in transition? Maybe some people who are in the fence, they're like, should I stay? Should I go? Or they just started. So what do you think, what did you like to give as far as suggestions for, for their mindset, for their current mindset right now that they might be struggling with? Yeah, I think um, two things can help. One, one of the things is when, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to surf back when I lived in, in warm countries. Now I'm in Milan and England where it's like one degree, you know, you don't want to go anywhere near the water, but I used to surf and, and I was, I think my mom nearly drowned when she was a kid. So she managed to transmit to me like a, a fear of the sea. Um, and so I used to get really scared before I went in, especially when it was big. And one of the things, I'm not sure if I got this myself or if someone told me to, to do it, what I did was to like really vividly imagine drowning. So I'd like sit on the outside of the water and just visualize myself like drowning, but really be there with the, the water sort of entering into my lungs and, the, and, and looking up at the, at the surface with the sun coming through and all that. And what you find is that although it, it's a pretty sort of terrifying, intense experience to, to, to drown, it's actually less terrifying than the, than the nameless fear that, that you have before you visualize something like that, you know? And I think it's, it's very much the same thing with something like entrepreneurship. You know, you have this like nameless, um, undefined fear of failure. But when you actually sort of start visualizing what, what is that, what happens in that worst case scenario where I fail, you know, maybe um, I have to move into a smaller apartment or, or maybe my, my friends think I, I made a mistake. And you just start visualizing and really go into detail. Like, you know, imagine facing your friends and telling them or facing your mom and telling them or whatever it is that your fear is. You just go in and, and visualize it and really experience it. And I find that really helps sort of... Um, dissuade the fear because it stops being nameless it starts being something that you've already experienced and you're like you know it was bad but it wasn't that bad it wasn't as bad as I, as I thought it was so I think I think that can help and then the, the second thing I think helps uh, some people not all it depends sort of how how your brain works but for me it really helps because I think I have naturally quite a like um, rational brain which you know I'm not saying that's a good thing I, I think there's huge advantages to having um, to being more feel and intuition based but for me what helps is just rationalizing it so saying you know for instance with, with cryptocurrencies that's a big one right C cryptocurrencies have a, a huge chance of, of of being a failure like there's a huge chance that that it's an incredibly high risk uh market and many of these will go to zero and that doesn't really matter though as long as you think there's a sufficient chance of success even if it's 10 percent, and if what you earn when when there's that chance of success is high enough right and once you have that understanding that, all right, even if I lose 90% of the time, as long as the 10% of the time I win, I get 20% of my investment back, then it's still a really good investment, like a dream investment. And I think once you understand that rationally, um, it sort of helps um, deal with the, with, with the fear because it's good. At least for me, I think it depends. Everyone has their own strategies based on how they think, but that, that tends to help me. I love it. Um, Matter of fact, in episode 19, we had an episode called What is the Worst Case Scenario with uh, Camille, um, really a big entrepreneur in uh, Romania, actually uh, talk about this, some of the, the things that, you know, how did he deal with some of the fears and doubts? It was the same thing that he mentioned. What is the worst case scenario? Exactly. What I'll do if I get this? And have the guts to really go to that place. You don't focus on that place the same way you did. You you think about the place you're drowning. You don't focus on that. It's just like okay, this is kind of how it look like, you know. And I think what happens sometimes, people mistake and they end up focusing on that worst case scenario that they thought about, like the drowning. And then they just all they can think about is drowning. Like no no no. Okay, you can think of okay, this is how it look like. Just leave it over there. And then focus on here. So great advice. Now, what would you say is your worst entrepreneurial experience? One of the worst that you had, and you can even share if it's not entrepreneurial, maybe you can say an experience that you had even in poker. But the most important is what did you learn from it? 
Um, yeah, I had, a, I had, I mean, I'd say my first, um, it's maybe two businesses, um, two or three businesses were, were pretty much like failures, at least to my expectations. Um, probably the, the funniest one was a, a cleaning company I started, um, which was my first, first ever business. And I started with two friends. We had this app. It was like Uber for cleaners. Basically you would, you would sign up onto the app as a cleaner and then you would sign up as a customer and it would automatically assign you a cleaner and it was all, all on campus. So everyone was very close and we had it like geographically set really cool idea and stuff. And I think at the peak we had around 50 employees. Um, but what we realized was that like cleaners aren't like Uber drivers because once you have a cleaner, you, you want to stick with him. You don't want random people going True. into your room slash house every time. It's, it's like, uh, you know, Uber drivers are commoditized in a way. You don't care which one you have. And what we discovered the hard way was that marketplaces, which aren't commoditized, like with a cleaner, um, people just go around the marketplace. You know, we'd have a cleaner going once and then they'd be like, hey, do you want to keep coming? And well, I'll just pay you. And they'd be like, yeah, you know. So we, we, had a we realized we had a huge time, uh, hard time retaining customers. So we, we pivoted to doing like, we're like, we have this great workforce, you know, students that are much cheaper than normal workforces because of the situation they're in. So let's use them to clean, like um, to do big industrial cleans, like for, for landlords and stuff like that. So we, we went after like the, the, local, the local landlord companies, real estate companies, and we got like a deal with the university real estate company called Lusu Living. Uh, to clean like 3,000 of their of their properties that year, right? And we were like, oh, yes, we got it. And we, we priced it really low because we wanted to get in through all the competition. And then later when we went to do the maths, we realized we didn't have enough money to pay cleaners. We would have to clean, our, <laughs> we would have to clean ourselves. So we ended up spending like, summer in Portugal is really beautiful. We ended up spending about, about a month and a half of it in Lancaster cleaning houses. Um, and at the end, we, we, we earned less than, what we pay the cleaners for it split between the three so it's pretty pretty horrific especially since we like none of us had really any experience cleaning you know we were just we, we were we hired a cleaner to basically teach us how to clean and then we, we we started the business that way so we learned a lot um at one point we cleaned like 600 uh properties and and we had been using the wrong thing for the windows like uh, Pro tip for those at home, white vinegar solution is what you use for glass surfaces because if you use detergent, it leaves like fingerprints. So we ended up having to go back and clean all those houses again. Um, so yeah, loads of lessons there. I mean, uh, it, it, the first two businesses, it, it's sort of like just a, a load of lessons learned that then now I still use in, in my current businesses, you know, and, and getting that experience early, I think was a huge, huge benefit to me. Um, so yeah, I guess that was the, the that was one of the, big failures. And I think one of the things I learned through that as well is that you have to start um, or you, sh you should try and start businesses that you're passionate about because you always think it's going to be way easier than it is, um, that it's going to be way less time. You're like, yeah, I'll automate it when it gets to this size, it'll be fine. But it's never like that. You know, a business is always much more complex than, than you think. And um, if you're going to spend a lot of time on something, it, it's really useful that you're passionate about it. Like, Kaizen um, Academy was definitely not um, one of my most profitable businesses, although it is pro profitable for me, but it was a pleasure spending, spending the time that I, that I did on it because I, I love martial arts and I loved what we were doing. I loved the idea. I really liked the people I was working with. So it made it all sort of bearable. Whereas the businesses before, you know, I, I mean, no one who knows me will tell you I'm passionate about cleaning. You know, my, my girlfriend will be the first to tell you I'm not passionate about cleaning. So yeah, I think starting a business in an area... I did the, I'm don't regret doing those because I learned a lot, but I think starting Absolutely. in an area that you're passionate about is, is definitely more useful. Sorry yeah. about the long answer. No, no, that's, that's great. And that's funny because I tell the same thing to my wife. I've been making a living just with things that I want to do since basically 2005, 2006. That's when I, I made a decision. Okay. I don't, I only work with people that I want to, I only do whatever feel like it And cleaning was one of them. I did house cleaning too. And my wife asked me like, did you really do that? Because I didn't do a lot of the cleaning at home, but like, <laughs> well, that's some of the things that you have to do. And I totally get it. You know, I even thought about a possibility of, okay, and eventually I can grow this, have people working for me and stuff, but I'm like, that's going to give me money. Yay. But you know, I, I'm not excited. I don't want to put any hours into that. I did because I had to. But uh, and then I, I totally feel it from there. That was actually my last venture 
as anything different than jiu-jitsu. I had other jobs and stuff, but until I was able to completely make a living with jiu-jitsu and promoting, doing other things. So super important and valuable uh, advice for all the listeners, you know, to really think about the passion because at one point you're going to get sick of it. And when those hard times come and they will come, that passion, that love, the desire that you have for your project, that's when I keep going. And if the passion and the, the love is not there, be like, dude, I'm done. You know, especially if you're not making any money, if you're on a project that you're not making any money, but you're very passionate about it, that's a whole different ballgame. Amazing experience for you. You know, it really set the tone for everything you did. I mean, it was literally the hardest, cleaning was the hardest job I've ever done in my life, for sure. You know, nine hours a day of just like going from house to house. And we didn't have a car, so we'd be dragging these like Hoovers around uh, all of Lancaster while it was raining and stuff, going into different houses. And we had to do it at a certain time because we'd also agreed to do it in like a month, which was ridiculous for the amount of houses we had to do. So, yeah, it was definitely the <laughs> hardest job. I gained a whole new respect for, for yeah, for just manual work. And I, yeah. So what is a one high performance habit that you have? that has helped you in your life? Business, poker, jiu-jitsu, what's something that you feel that you do daily? Um, I think working out daily is definitely one of my best habits, I would say. Um, like even when I was, because while I was in university, I was studying and then I had the, the businesses um, and I was also training basically to compete. So I didn't really have much time and Sometimes when I had to study, I'd be like 12 hours in the library and then I'd go work out. And people were like, how can you go work out after 12 hours in the library? And for me, it was like, how can you not? You know, I couldn't go to bed. I would just be so like stressed. And the, and the working out just took everything away, wiped it all clean. I could go home, forget about everything I'd been doing. Um, it, was, it was, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things like, that I always do um, in my life. Because I've tried several things like meditation, um, different things. But I think what really works the best for me is just working out and ideally something like martial arts, just the the balance of things that it offers is is perfect for me, I think. Yeah, this is huge because, man, when sometimes in this, uh, when you mentioned about studying, but when people are in a grind time, you know, and you know, like some of the parts of the business that you don't have a lot of breaks, a lot of people end up and actually, I had a recent podcast talking about this. Sometimes people end up forgetting about themselves and uh, even relationships at home for some people who are married, some people are kids. Of course, again, there is that grind time, but finding the harmony is huge and movement. It's a key element of that that he just mentioned, whatever that is. If it's a martial arts, if some type of movement, it really makes a huge difference in our in life. Like, and especially for some people make more than others. Like I said, for you, it's a huge one that you know yeah. that if you don't move usually, and I'm the same way as far as exercising, just doing different things, not necessarily just martial arts, but I Me know too. that once a day I have to move, whatever that is. So besides besides the martial arts, anything else that you do currently that you go to the gym and stuff? Yeah, I I, I think movement's the perfect word actually because that's exactly it. Yeah, I, ideally like skilled movement because I go to the gym, lift weights, but I definitely don't it, don't enjoy it as much as as um like movement, like a, a sort of a, a some something developing a skill. Yeah, I'm not saying uh, there's no skill to lifting weights because I'm there's skill, but it's very repetitive. Like for me, especially I've been doing it for six years, you know, and because of the martial arts training I do, I don't increase my weights. Like I can't get stronger. So I'm just doing the same weights like all the time for six years. And it's, it, that's not great. But um, any movement like, yeah, I want to start um, dancing actually this year. I want to start doing a, a, a dance because I feel like that's also something that would help me in my martial arts. Like um, having a bit more freedom and um, letting go a bit more. Like, I feel like it's something I could use in my martial arts. And I think there's a reason why most, especially good strikers, are excellent dancers as well. You know, you see Anderson Silva, Israel Adesanya, all those guys are good dancers. I think there's something to the fluidity and to the improvisation and stuff that, that helps. I and, um, yeah, I also do, uh, I like doing um, human movement stuff when I can find it. I was recently in Rio and I did the Biogenastica there. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. But, um what Hickson used to do. And I did it with the guy who learned from Orlando Cani and it was amazing. I mean, the guy's movement is just incredible. You know, he goes from like monkey and it looks like a perfect monkey to then like bird and it's a perfect bird. Then he's dancing, then he's doing martial arts. It was a really, really interesting thing. And I would definitely do that if they had it um, in Milan, but sadly not. Cool. Now, 
changing topics, what would you say was the best advice you ever received? Yeah, it's a tough one. I was thinking about this one. Um, I've received a lot of uh, good advice. What, what I find for, for me is that advice doesn't work too well for me. Like advice sort of serves to, to at least highlight that part of my brain where I'm like, okay, someone's told me this. I, I know it's something I need to consider. But generally what I found for myself is that I need to learn through sort of pain and, and trying the thing. And um, I've also found that like too much advice gets me sort of like neurotic because I feel like I'm trying to live by something that I haven't, it's not in me yet kind of thing. Um, whereas, yeah, like even with trading now, like I, I do some uh, trading and investment and I, there's a lot of things that, um, uh, that people say that are best practices and stuff. And I don't really do them because I, I feel like I need to find them out for myself to really learn what they mean because yeah, I feel like that's the only real, you know, it's like the same with, with jujitsu, right? It's, it's useful to have advice because it guides you, but I think the only way to really like turn and, 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 and learn and, and make a change is if you experience it for yourself. I agree 100%. You know, a lot of the things that we say or even advice we give, someone gave to us, you have to really go through and then connect the dots. Oh, okay. That is why they said that. For sure, man. And more experiences you have, better for you. More knowledge you get in different areas of your life, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I do think if you if you can take advice, it's a really useful skill. I don't know if you've uh, read um, Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. Yes, great book. Yeah, great book. So he, he talks about how um, uh, someone who never repeated the same mistake twice would get world class at something in like a year. You know, that, that would be the fastest way to get world class at something would be to never repeat the same mistake twice. And the way to do that even faster would be to never repeat the mistake you see someone else doing so you could learn from what others are doing as well um but it just doesn't work for me so i have to sort of eat dust before i can learn i got it now what advice should you give to your younger self when we got into the entrepreneurship world where uh, let's say even when you got involved with uh the cleaning business let's say you know what advice if you had a chance to go back visit the young jose and tell him hey buddy just watch this, see what that advice would be. Not that you regret yeah. anything because it's all part of the journey, but I'm saying based on this, like what would be something that you probably could have done differently? I think the, the biggest advice would probably be like uh, chill out a bit maybe. Like um, I, I find that when I, was, um, when I was a kid, I had a, well, when I was, when I was younger, I had a lot of, um, I would like make a plan and then I would stick to that plan and I was very disciplined and it was, it was, it was too much discipline. Um, and that's the main, one of the main things that jujitsu taught me um, was that you need to sort of flow. Like you need to go with what's happening and with what your opponent's giving you. And it sounds really cheesy, but it was actually like really important to, to learn that because it, it went through to all aspects of my life. Like I used to be super obsessive about my diet as well. Like I would eat these things and, and science demonstrates this as well but i think it's really important to be able to be reactive and and flow and not just for your success in business but just for your general happiness and i think yeah meeting my meeting my current girlfriend and and jujitsu i'm learning jujitsu from from the guys i learned from in, in lancaster who who were really uh, great teachers as well those things helped me with with that and it helped me with business as well i get it helped me a lot live the business in a in a different way i'm still not perfect at it like i'm I'm still learning how to do that in business. It's, it's quite process. difficult, I think. Yeah. It's, and business has a way of like, yeah, it's like a separate thing and you feel like you need to, you feel like you need to um, be someone you're not sometimes or be disciplined that I'm still trying to learn to do it my way, but definitely much better than I was when I was, when I was a kid. Sounds great. So what book would you like to recommend to the listeners and why maybe a book that has made an impact in a different moment of your life right there's a there's yeah. some specific books that they hate you right in the moment that you need and so of course the panel where people are at in their lives but what it's a book that has made an impact on you and why oh man i, I love reading I, I read a lot i i guess art of learning is definitely a really interesting book to read i, I would say most impactful was um when i i read the great gatsby when i was younger um i really like that author fitzgerald the way he, he writes and stuff it's like literature but i think there's yeah what i really liked about it was um the main character um gatsby for me he sort of uh, it might sound weird but for me he symbolized sort of like 
in in the world normally you see like the self-made men and entrepreneurs and they're very like um sort of aggressive about like i worked for this i worked hard you know i, I put in the hours all, all this stuff and and what i liked about gatsby was that it all seemed easy like the, the the impression that he gave was that it was easy that it was fun that it was that it just like flowed you know that, that there, there was no like grind push to him and i think that's like the ideal that i that i like the most you know even in jujitsu that's how i try to to sort of roll you know more it's quite of a maybe a philosophical one but it had a, it had an impact at the time definitely and then another book i really like um probably on the opposite spectrum of that is atlas shrugged by ayn rand it's like uh, uh have you heard of it no no yeah it's it's a, it's not very well known actually but it's, it's said to be someone i read somewhere that it's the second most influential book on america after the bible and yeah what is the name again um atlas shrugged you also have the fountainhead by ayn rand which is really good um, it's the shorter version. I probably recommend starting with with that one, but it's basically a, a book about um, just heroism, but sort of associated to capitalism and and stuff like that. Because she sees that as a as like the ultimate exponent of of heroism and and human. But it's a totally like revolutionary sort of a view of the world from someone that's very a woman as well. That that's very like um, yeah, it's a really good book. I, I recommend people pe- people read that one as well. Cool. Now we're getting close to the end of the interview. So I just want you to know what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about what I'm doing in um in, in crypto, definitely. Um so I'm at Amazics, which is a, a consulting uh basically it's quite kind of like a crypto investment bank. We help um crypto companies uh raise money and structure their sales, do design their token economies, all this sort of stuff. And um, I'm running a really good team here. We're doing a lot of really cool work. Um, and it's a really cool space because it's just evolving all the time. Things are changing all the time. Um, yeah, so I'm, I guess I'm excited about that. I'm excited about training this year. I haven't trained yet. I've been ill. Excited about getting, getting back into that. Cool. For all the listeners too, for people who don't know, after the interview, I always share my final thoughts, which is basically... Just my takeaway from the interview, usually I research a little more and share some content with them. The mission of the podcast is to inspire and impact and improve the lives of others, to to improve the lives of the listeners. And if I can share at least one takeaway that make an impact on them, it's really worth it. And that's basically what we, we try to do here with the podcast. So how they can know more about you and how they can reach out to you? Yeah. Um... I'm on, I guess Twitter would be the easiest way to reach out to me. I, I post there a lot. You can also message me. Um, I do a lot of um, like mentor work for different accelerators and stuff like that. So I'm always happy to talk to people who want to start businesses. Um, if you've got any questions, you know, things you want to you talk about, I'm always happy to take some time, um, even get on a call with you and stuff like that. So yeah, feel free to, feel free to reach out um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you. I guess Twitter would be the best way and it's at, uh, Zem Maria Macedo. I think you probably put it in the in the show notes, maybe or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I'll send it to you afterwards. But yeah, I'd be happy to talk to any of your any of your fans. Um, about, if they have any questions or the help to get started or whatever. Yeah, and any final message to the entrepreneurs out there, or maybe the aspiring entrepreneurs, people who are in transition. What do you have to say to them? Um, yeah, I think something that helps me, and then I always try and tell. Um, especially like younger people is that like we live in um in a society where people tell you you know when you're a kid you're like yeah you have this this sort of menu of things you can do you can be a doctor you can be an engineer you can be this and these this is where things fit and um i think one thing that is really important to understand is that all these categories that we that we think about were actually invented by humans you know, and everything around us, most of it, other than the, the nature stuff, most of the, you know, the, these chairs, this computer, it was all done by humans who are, who are just like us. And it's going to change over the next 10, 20, 50 years. You know, the, this computer is going to look different. There's going to be other stuff in this room. Um, there's going to be other jobs on that menu. There's going to be jobs that disappear from that menu. And that's all going to be caused by humans just like you. So I think when you realize that and you realize, you, you know, you're, you're one of them and you, you, you can have an effect on this. It maybe forces you to think beyond that menu and, and figure out um, what you want to do and also gives you the faith that, it, that it's possible to, to, to do it. 
That sounds great. Zed, thank you so much for the interview. We're a few hours different with Italy and the United States. We made yeah. it happen. And it was awesome. It was great. And I'll be researching more for the final thoughts to give even more information to the listeners. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Thank you so much, Zed. Oops. No worries. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the Portuguese entrepreneur José Macedo. For those who are listening just to the final thoughts, José began his life in the public eye at 16 when he started his journey as a professional poker player. He was able to turn an initial deposit of $30 into $1.5 million. Currently, Zé is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, 26 years old, and he lives in Milan, Italy. However, he owns several businesses in different places, including a jiu-jitsu school, Kaizen Academy, in Lancaster, UK. And he also co-leads the advisory team at Amazix, an elite squad of analysts. His team of experts at Amazix has helped over 100 cryptocurrency startups raise over a combined $1.3 billion. He is well diversified with a lot of experience at only 26 years old. If you'd like to know more about him, check out the intro of the interview. He shared interesting points between poker and jiu-jitsu similarities, the importance of controlling the controllable, which was the title of episode 20 with Chicago Cubs mental coach John Baker, Control the Controllables. And my takeaway of the interview was when he talked about time. Jose gave an example of Elon Musk's interview when the reporter asked, you do all these crazy technological projects, how did you know you're going to succeed? He answered, well, I believe I had 10% a chance to work. However, if this 10% happens, like a 10,000 return is still an excellent investment of my time. Time is the most valuable thing you have because you don't get it back after you use it. Now, my question to you is, how are you using your time? Besides how you are utilizing your time at a micro level with the daily activities, how are you using your time at a macro level? How do you plan to live the years that you have left in your life? Are you putting your time in a work or business that you don't like it at all? It will be hard to find harmony in living this way. Sometimes you have to do temporary jobs that you don't enjoy, but it's part of the process. As the late motivational speaker Jim Rome says, quote, work full time on your living and part time on your dream. And one day the dream can become your full time, unquote. Hopefully you are in the moment in your life that you are full time on your dream or if you're already doing that, working full-time when you live in a part-time on your vision and you are in grind mode, keep it up. Now, if you are currently working with something that you don't like and you're not doing anything about it, I believe it's time for a brutally honest self-analysis followed by action. Would you rather spend the time that you have left in this world doing what you're doing or do you want to be working with something that you're fully engaged and happy about what you do? Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. If you were easy, everyone would do it. You must be prepared to work over time, though. The strength to work the extra hours will come from how strong is your desire to change the current situation and utilize your time in a different and more fulfilling way. When Jose shared about some of his biggest struggles, he mentioned that his cleaning business app and service did not meet his expectations and eventually terminated the project. The lesson of this experience taught him not to get involved with a business that he is actually not interested in and engaged. And he said, quote, you should try to start a business that you are passionate about, unquote. So what about you? Are you passionate about your work? Do you really enjoy what you do? Do you have the time and the freedom that you desire? Here's the thing. Today, this message may or may not apply to your life. However, it might help someone you know that might be going through a similar situation in their lives and you can forward this episode to them. I'd like to give six suggestions to people who would want to spend their time in a more fulfilling way so you can achieve the success you desire. If you haven't found your music yet, Trust me, it's there somewhere inside of you. Gustavo, did you say music? Yes. The late Dr. Wayne Dyer, one of my 
top three virtual mentors of all time used to say, quote, don't die with your music in you, unquote. What does he mean? Every human being, including you, has a music inside of you to be played to the world. What is your music? Personally, I discovered my purpose in life, my music to be played to the world back in 2013, which is to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of others. It was clear to me how I wanted to spend the rest of the time I have left in this world. Currently, in 2019, I'm able to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of others through the podcast, the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu, GD Academy in Tempe, Arizona, promoting jiu-jitsu competitions, high-performance coaching, and the BJMetalCoach.com, which is a full sponsor of Live Jiu-Jitsu. All, I said, all the proceeds from the online courses and merchandise go straight to Live Jiu-Jitsu so kids from impoverished communities can continue to spend their time with Jiu-Jitsu instead of drugs and crime. Listen, I'm not trying to impress you with my accomplishments. It's just to convey to you that when you find something that you're passionate about it, you have a conviction that you should be playing this music and you're willing to go after no matter what, you will get there. With that said, here's my first suggestion. Number one, reflect on the meaning of the word success. People have different perceptions about the definition of the word success. What success are you looking for? Buying a mansion, driving a Bentley, even though you hate what you do, the type of success? I'm talking about real success, living the lifestyle you want to live with harmony, fulfillment, joy, and quality time. However, this is just my opinion. You don't have to agree at all. That's why I said achieve the success you desire. Make sure that you reflect on what you want, but also why do you want it? This why will ground you during the hard times. Suggestion number two, start with the things you don't want. Ricardo Liborio mentioned this on episode 15 titled, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. If you don't know what you want, start with the things you don't want. What don't you like? So you are sure to stay away from this if possible. Suggestion number three, let's say you did find something that sparks your interest. My question is, does this new endeavor require you to learn and to develop new skills or develop even more what you already know? Suggestion number four, most likely the answer of the previous question is yes, because to grow, you have to learn and develop your skills consistently. So if you know what this skill is, what are the challenges that most likely you're going to face? Think about the worst case scenario that Jose Macedo talked about. Go to that place, but don't stay there, though. Just be aware of reality. And now, suggestion number five is, how are you going to deal with these challenges? What actions need to be taken? What habits need to be changed? What person do you have to become to achieve the success you desire and spend your time in your terms? And the final suggestion, which is a question, when do you start? Most likely you have heard the expression ready, aim, fire. As Wikipedia describes, quote, a sentence of commands used to order soldiers to carefully fire their weapons, unquote. There's a great business book called Ready, Fire, Aim by Michael Masterson, where the concept is ready, shoot, get the ball rolling, take action, then you keep aiming and aiming and aiming, but you must fire to start. So when you are going to start to spend your time in a more or even more fulfilling way. To wrap up, I would like to share with you a quick personal story. I have mentioned to you that I use this tool called Intentional Cues that I learned from my high-performance mentor, Brenna Bouchard. You set up alarms on your phone at different times of the day, and you can write question quotes, whatever you feel that will remind you to stay mindful and on the course during your journey. When the alarm pops up, take a deep breath and reflect on the message on your phone. My last alarm of the day is strategically scheduled for later at night, more specifically at 10.45 p.m. The alarm says, don't die with your music in you. I stop, take a breath, and ask myself, what is my music? So I can remind myself Did I play my music today? Yes 
or no? If not, why not? I forgive myself and I move on. On a December night in 2018, I was walking late with my dogs when the alarm came up and I asked myself, what is my music? For the previous month, I was reflecting on the fact that I basically do too many things professionally and I felt that I needed to focus on one music when finally hit me. Okay, inspire, impact, and improve is the theme of the album per se. However, I play five or six songs in alignment with the title of the album. So I decided to prioritize. There are a few songs that I play very little. There are some that I play a lot. For example, I get a lot of fulfillment when I work with high-performance coaching. I understand that is one of my songs that I don't want to play too much because I like other songs at this point in my life. However, I do work once a week with it because I love it. It's a 12-week program, 12 one-hour sessions, and the coaching fee is 100% donated to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For this reason, I only work with one person at a time. I want to keep playing this song, but not that often. Now, what about you? Do you have different songs on your album? Which songs do you want to play more or less? Don't wait. Life goes by fast. Use the expression, ready, fire, aim, and keep aiming that you will achieve the success you desire and spend the time that you have left in this world with even more harmony, fulfillment, joy, and quality time. Os. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.